Hi there, and welcome to Polyamory Uncensored, a podcast where we, your hosts, Lindsay Miller and Katie Williams, interview a poly person each episode, and we try to answer the five points of journalism. Who, what, when, where, and why, as it pertains to our poly lives. Welcome to episode 62, where we're talking with Maria. Stay tuned as we talk about the good, the bad, the ugly, and the just plain complicated truths about our poly lives. Well, Maria, it has been, I think, two years since we have chatted with you. Uh, We actually missed our two-year anniversary, Katie. It was uh, November 10th, so we'll have to do something for that. (laughs) But but it's been two years because uh, Maria was on one of our first episodes, right? It was really in the beginning of the, uh, the podcast. So we have some edited, updated questions for people who are returning. Who are you now? And has your identity changed at all in the past two years? I don't think so, actually. My, it doesn't have to, but you know, no, of course not. Have, we want to offer the opportunity. Yeah, no, I, my identity hasn't changed. I mean, obviously, I've grown and changed a little bit, but still identify the same way. Just in case there are people who maybe didn't listen to the first episode, would you mind introducing yourself? Oh, okay. Uh, hi, I'm Maria. I'm uh, queer, poly, solo poly, cat mom, neurodivergent. I think I covered most of the the labels of the label soup, but I don't know. Gender identity? Oh, uh, non-binary, but often femme presenting. So I'm comfortable with she, her pronouns or they, them pronouns. All right. So what does polyamory mean to you now? It's an identity still. It's like, it's one of my queer identities, I guess. Uh, the other... The others, you know, having to do with gender and then the bisexuality one. It's also the way I live. So it's both um, an identity and it's my lifestyle. And where are you on your poly journey? I think like many people in the pandemic, I've kind of slowed down on the journeying. And I'm mostly just in this like calm, fairly stable place where I know pretty much exactly what I want. and I have people in my life that are supportive of that and contribute to that. And yeah, I don't really, I feel like I'm, I'm kind of in a, like, not stasis, but just a really calm, nice, warm, fuzzy, happy, content place. Like, I've got some peace, actually. I think that's more what it is. I've, things have slowed down somewhat. And it's very peaceful. Really like that, actually. I've been looking for peace and quiet for quite some time. So I think I finally found a little bit, which is nice. Yeah, I think some people have had, you know, a lot of chaos in the pandemic, but I I agree. I feel like it's a little bit more peaceful because things are calmed. There's not a lot of expectation to be dating or doing extra things. and, And so it's a little bit peaceful. But maybe that's from us people who are like, extra busy and have a lot of responsibilities and things going on, a lot of balls in the air, I guess, if you will, because I feel like this hasn't been the experience for everyone. <laughs> it's not peaceful for a lot of people, but I've found peace within the pandemic for sure too. Well, and I think now we are eight months into the pandemic. So hopefully even people who maybe did not expect to find peace maybe have found ways to create peace because 
you know, maintaining the level of suffering that a lot of us had at the beginning, it would be so hard. I mean, and not in like a, it's your fault that you can't, if you're suffering way, but like, I, I hope that people have been able to find and create peace in their lives more than they probably could when we first started this. Yeah. I think there was also this period for me where I, because things had slowed down and there was a lot of turning inward, I actually was grappling with a lot of just uh, difficult things that I'd been putting off dealing with. And I feel like I've come out the other side of that. And I know I wasn't the only person doing that. There were a lot of people who, you know, were just, you know, they kind of being forced to sit still, they actually had to think about things and they had to just really face some problems that they may, ha may have been more easily able to avoid when they could have a social life, you know? So right. it, yeah, like the summer and fall were a lot like that for me, early fall. Our last guest said something similar that like a lot of what she was able to do in her poly journey was made available by the fact that being in the pandemic meant there was a lot of time for conversations that were really about the kind of relationships she wanted to have and life that she wanted to have. And, yeah. you know, when we have all kinds of stuff going on, there's a lot less time for those more introspective conversations. Right. It's easy to be distracted. Just for listeners who may not be, you know, familiar with sort of your situation, could you describe a little bit about your, your peaceful life and what it looks like? Sure. Uh, so I live by myself and I love living alone. It's just, it's the best thing and the definitely the healthiest living situation for me. So I have no plans to change that. Um, honestly, the only way I could see myself changing that is like serious illness or something like some sort of catastrophic circumstance. So I live by myself. Um, and right now I have three cats. Uh, I used to have two. In August, I decided I just couldn't stand uh, just the, the silence anymore. And I needed a new living creature. And I'd always wanted to adopt a black cat. So I adopted a black kitten. So now I have three cats in a one bedroom apartment, which is interesting, uh, <laughs> but it works. <laughs> um, and I, as far as my relationships go, I added one at the beginning of the year, sort of. Uh, and um, just before the pandemic hit actually. So I have uh, three, uh, committed partnerships and then I have a fourth one that is uh we're we're taking some like cautious gradual baby steps because you know topic of the episode I guess is like we took a break and so we're kind of like easing back into things so I've got four people at the at this point in time none of them live with me and everybody is happy with that arrangement in fact um all of them, none of them live with romantic partners. Uh, one of them has a roommate and then another has children, but like, we're all kind of like not cohabiting. Cool. Uh, so Maria, do you have any different poly goals from when you spoke to us last? Yeah, sort of. I, 
I think when I spoke with you last, I was still look, I was seeking peace and quiet. At this point, I think I have a more tangible idea of how to achieve that. And so my goals are shaped around like small things that or small or medium or big steps that I can take to, um, to keep this peace that I've had for the last year or so. And I guess, I mean, I could get into that, but it, it's complicated and it would, I don't know, it, it's, it's relationship specific. So um, those goals are, there, so I have goals within each of my relationships with the hope that I'll keep, keep, with, keep up my peace and quiet and nice, happy, contented life. So why did you want to do an update interview? Well, I actually, um, it occurred to me that every relationship I am in is one in which there has been a breakup, a break in contact, and then a getting back together. And I think that this is something that people don't talk about very often. I don't know if it doesn't happen often, or if there's such a stigma surrounding getting back together with somebody that people don't like to talk about it. But since all of my relationships are like this, I figured I had a lot to say. I'm really excited to talk about that because I, one of my really partner relationships is a similar circumstance. When we chose this topic, I had to go through and think about all of my relationships and if I've ever gotten back together for the next, and I will talk about it, but yes, it has happened once. <laughs> but yeah, that's awesome. All right, let's take a short break and we'll be right back. Polyamory Uncensored is excited to announce a brand new product. We have designed a planner and journal specifically geared for polyamorous individuals. If you're a fan of the podcast, you know that I love recommending journaling to our guests and audience members. After about the 50th time or so I caught myself suggesting it, I thought to myself, there should be a journal specifically designed for us polyamorous folks. One that includes a planner, because of course we be planning, and one that prompts us to go deep into our poly lives. You know, the good, the bad, the ugly, the just plain complicated truths. <laughs> and I wanted to put together a space where you could go if you needed to vent out all of those really hard poly drama feelings. So I designed the Polyamory Uncensored Planner and Journal. This little book includes a full year planner for the year 2021, as well as self-discovery pages, guided journal with polyamory themed prompts and resource guide pages so that you can keep track of the books and podcasts and websites that you find helpful in your poly journey. Get yours today for yourself or the thoughtful polyamorist in your life at tinyurl.com slash poly2021. That's tinyurl.com slash poly2021. In doing so, you support me and this podcast. Thank you so much. I love you. Bye. All right. And we are back talking about what uh, Katie has coined uh, boomerang relationships, being relationships that may end or transition to something else and then come back to a back to their original form, maybe. I don't know. Either way, a new romantic relationship of some kind. Yes. Hoop back. So, you said that you have four relationships currently that uh, th that this has happened. Do you want to explain a little bit about 
maybe the dynamics of any of those relationships and like what happened? Sure. <laughs> so my girlfriend, and it, I'm using the word girlfriend because it occurred to me, I did not make sure that she's okay with me using her name. So, um, but so my, my girlfriend, um, she and I started dating a few years ago and then, and it was kind of a quasi long distance dynamic. She lived in a small town, like an hour away from me. And so when we would spend time together, it would be like, I would drive down for the day, sometimes spend the night and then come back the next day. So we would have like long stretches of time together rather than like an evening here and there. And I was, I was actually in a really odd place in my life. I had been in a car accident that year that I'd, that had caused, well, I had, I'd suffered a head injury in that car accident and I had aphasia, which is, uh, <laughs> I hope I have this right. <laughs> Language problems. Basically you forget words or you substitute an incorrect word when you mean something else. I had, I had a lot of trouble with communicating and articulating my thoughts and feelings during that year. And I continued to struggle with that for like a year beyond the accident, maybe longer. And so I got together with this, uh, with her when, when I, I literally was having communication problems that were because of an accident. And so we had this really lovely relationship and we still do where a lot of like, I've had other relationships that required much more arduous brain work with communicating with my partner. So she and I, a lot of it came really naturally and really easily. And because of that, there were things that we needed to talk about and didn't. And so we ended up after about eight months of being together or something like that, uh, we ended up with some things that weren't discussed and it like caused a rift between us. And then on top of that, she started dating another woman who was young and had some maturity issues and also not really poly. And so a couple months before my girlfriend and I broke up, she started seeing this new person who was, it turns out, incredibly intimidated by the dynamic I had with my girlfriend. And that in combination with the fact that she and I had kind of a, had a communication pattern that needed help, we ended up breaking up. Um, in part because, you know, this new woman that that my girlfriend was dating just didn't like me and was terrified of me or something like that. And, you know, kind of manipulated my, my girlfriend into ending our relationship. And then also another factor was that we just didn't have the communication patterns built up in order to have conversations about that being a thing that was happening. So, um, so we broke up and it hurt hurt and I really missed her and she stopped talking to me completely um yeah and basically vanished from my life um and and then like a year later or so I was just feeling really happy and loved and in a good spot and because I was just kind of feeling bold I found her on Facebook and sent her a friend request and then like she instantly accepted it and then sent like messaged me and she's like, I'm so sorry that happened. Can we, can we please be in contact? I've missed you so much. And she talked a little bit about some of the things in the other relationship that was now over that had um, contributed to her ending our relationship. And, um, and then we kind of like took really tentative, cautious steps back 
into our you know relationship we met up uh at pride fest which was actually where we'd met when we got together the first time but that you know our renewed contact happened around pride fest so that was the first time she was going to be coming up to the city um from the kind of small town that she used to live in um so she and i like agreed to get together at pride fest and like it was a very tearful happy like reunion lots of hugs because we had missed each other so fucking much um and then but for a while we were just kind of like i don't know what we're doing but we but we love and care about each other and we want to be in contact and then it just kind of gradually cautiously became a, a a renewed partnership and it was you know largely like the that year that we were out of contact never happened it was just we picked up where we left off and it was and that's still that year that she was gone i avoided thinking about her so i wouldn't miss her and then when we were back in contact i it just actually hit me how much i had missed her and so we had this like for our reunion at pride fest where we hugged outside one of the a drag show you know we were we both looked at each other and we, were, and we said like at the same time let's not do that again <laughs> let's just not do that again no matter what happens from now on let's just not disappear out of one another's lives ever again and it's not like we haven't had arguments or disagreements we have since but we still we've honored that we've stuck around and even at points where we were like should we still be doing should we still be in a relationship we actually you know we've each time come to the conclusion yes we should but also like I don't particularly find any appeal in living a life without her in it so that's probably the the tidiest and simplest of of all of them <laughs> except for maybe the fourth one that because I'm in the fourth one I don't want to talk much about the fourth one because we're still in that cautious like trying to figure out what we're doing and also there's a pandemic so there's lots of masks and outdoor stuff and so it's it's very slow in general but the other one I suppose is is a, is similarly like simple so far but then the two guys in my life <laughs> those were a little more complicated well let's talk a little bit about the dynamics and then we can kind of come back into the specifics what's the draw of returning to a relationship that for some reason, whatever reason, hasn't worked in the past? It's always been the people. I mean, I, and it's not that every relationship I've ended, I've returned to. I have plenty of relationships that are over and done with and shall never be happening again. But these four people are just wonderful. And also, I do a lot of like sitting and thinking. And most of the time I can, as part of my processing of any breakup, I will actually ask myself what went wrong, what happened here. And when the reason for something going wrong isn't some sort of fundamental incompatibility, when it's like some sort of circumstance that isn't permanent or, or is external to the relationship itself, then that's something that doesn't, I guess, doesn't put me off the idea. So like there, for instance, I had a relationship with somebody who, he was just not poly. He said that he wanted to try it, but it became apparent within like the six weeks that we were together or dating or seeing one another, whatever, that he was quite intimidated by my partner, but only the guy, not the, not the woman, which I mean, that's a thing and that's irritating, but that's a whole other conversation. Um, 
It became apparent that he was really intimidated by my other relationship and that he wanted it to end. And I was just like, yeah, not cool. Okay, bye. You know, never going to go back with, get back with that guy because that was a, like a really like horrible kind, like it was an extreme something of incompatibility. It was just there. Like a fundamental incompatibility. Yes, that's the word. That was a fundamental incompatibility. So I'll never get back with that guy. But in the relationships with these people who are wonderful, where something else was going on that wasn't necessarily fundamental incompatibility, there is, I am not turned off by going back. It's not that I seek it, but I do. It's that the people are great. I read this article once that said that people who are friends with their exes are sadomasochists. (laughs) So I thought was funny because I, 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 I think it's great to be friends with your exes. Now, can I name all, you know, can I say that I'm friends with all my exes? No, not necessarily. I don't even want to be for a lot of those folks, but, um, but I am with some. And, uh, and so I thought that that was really ridiculous, but then I was like, oh, I wonder if they mean that like you're inviting this kind of like potentially toxic person who you have taken out of your life to continue to stay in your life or or a toxic situation that you're going to be tempted to go back into but I do think that it is overall a, a bullshit general statement uh I don't know do you think that that has any credence of like people who are are friends with their exes is is that a good thing is that a an a positive thing to be friends with your exes I think it's just a thing like it's a neutral thing like <laughs> yeah. I think it's a positive thing to have exes with whom you're friends. Like I would be uncomfortable with somebody who has no exes that they're friends with or people who are really negative about not just an ex, but all the exes that they talk about. But I don't think it's necessary to be friends with all of your exes. I think it depends on what the relationship was like and who you and they were in one another's lives. Like I'm friends with or friendly with most of my exes, but there are definitely a few that I am glad to not still be in touch with. And, you know, maybe the decisions that I made to be in those relationships weren't coming from a really healthy place for me. Whereas other relationships just ended because we weren't as compatible as we might have thought, or we grew apart, or we were looking for different things. And so, you know, the journey didn't work out longer in that context. But if I ran into them in, you know, in the future, when we can go to coffee shops again, if I ran into them at a coffee shop, it would be lovely. And I'd give them a hug and we'd have a nice conversation. Yeah. Yeah. I sometimes wonder if breakups because of like fundamental incompatibility are easier because you're like, Hey, this will never work. You're monogamous. I'm poly or like, or, you know, I'm gay and you're the opposite gender or something like that. You know, like this is not going to work children. Totally. Yeah. Those kind of things. I feel like they, they aren't easy in the moment. Obviously most breakups aren't, but I feel like with the breakups that I've had with that kind of breakup that just, it can't work. This can't work. We can't work. I think that I can be really friendly with them. Whereas in situations like you were explaining Maria, that were like outside factors. Like I've been vetoed out of a relationship that was really dramatic and painful. And even though I, 
couldn't, I can definitely be friendly with that person because they were also kind of a victim of that veto. I don't feel like I can be their friend. You know, I don't feel like I can hang out with them. And I, I don't feel like that could ever be another relationship because I was so burned by it before. Right. And that's actually the only relationship I ever got back into, but it was very, very temporary. Like I want to say like two weeks. And then I was like, oh, right. We broke up for a reason. Okay. (laughs) Can't do this anymore. Um, But yeah, I, I do think that those kind of breakups can be a little bit more dramatic or a little bit more traumatic because it's not because the both of you don't like each other or that you're not compatible. You are, there's like some outside factor that's like forcing this to happen or coercing this to happen and it it can feel really like it's out of your control which sucks yeah I've uh, definitely been in that situation in fact one of the people that I am with now we had two breakups and I was I wouldn't necessarily say it was a veto though it felt that way at the time um but what I will say is that our breakup that my partnership with him got uh caught up in his divorce And um, that was a huge external factor in our relationship ending um, that, you know, ultimately was removed as a factor later on when his ex-wife became his ex-wife and was no longer his wife. Um, So, and that was very painful and very traumatic. And um, it was, and our decision to get back together was uh, just simply put because we loved each other so much not because it was going to be easy or because it was even necessarily a good idea we were both having a lot of like struggles individually at the time but yeah I mean we made the we decided to get back together because we cared about one another so much but that breakup was actually a really painful one and it took a while for us as partners in a renewed relationship to do the work required to grow past it. I think that's a really big thing because there is that pain of breaking up and making the decision to repair or renew or try again, however you kind of frame it, there's still some trust rebuilding that really has to happen if the relationship is going to be sustainable beyond a sort of short rekindling fun kind of thing. And then you remember, oh, right, this was a bad idea. It was fun, but it was a bad idea. Um, (laughs) My partner that I have also sort of had this boomerang dynamic with, um, we had an off again, on again, off again, on again thing um, through our 20s. And then were apart and specifically just friends um, for a very long time until a couple of years ago when we got back together. And it definitely took us each being really different people and having really different communication skills than we had when we were in our 20s to be able to rebuild a relationship that has any kind of chance of being sustainable. Yeah, I have a relationship similar to that one too. So there was this person this fig, who was a figure, more or less, in my life that I referred to as my guitar-picking, nog-chompa-scented high school love. And I would say the whole thing in conversation because, you know, it was cute, so cute. <laughs> um, I recall having heard about him. Yeah, so we were, he was actually kind of key in my poly 
journey early in my life because we actually never technically dated. We were really very close friends and he had girlfriends in high school, kind of toxic relationships. And so we were just like, we had this very caring and intimate friendship with a side of ridiculous sexual tension that we were just too nervous to act on, right? Just, you know, scared 16 year olds. Um, So I actually had this experience of like wanting to be with this person, but because of like teenage, well, just monogamy in general and him always having a girlfriend because, you know, he was good looking and he played the guitar and like, all the girls loved him. It was a thing. I, and in fact, I was actually like irritated with myself for the fact that I liked him too. I was like, damn it, everybody's doing it. I don't want to, <clears throat> you know, like, I don't want to like this guy. No, I'm just like everybody else. Wah. <laughs> I am not. <laughs> I don't like him. I really don't. Yeah, I do. Okay, damn it. So I had this experience of like really being attracted to this guy, wanting to, wanting to be with him myself, but also not actually having a problem with him being with other people and like learning how to like maintain this caring relationship that we had which you know was officially a friendship while accepting his other relationships um because you know there was a point where I was like I don't know is it going to hurt too much to be friends with him when I can't actually be with him well, I really like him so much. I still want to be friends with him. So there, there was that kind of, like I discovered I had that capability early on. Um, and then also an added complicating factor was the fact that I actually had crushes on his girlfriends frequently. We have similar tastes in women. So, um, and we still do. So, uh, but we, we had our, our friendship eventually turned sort of toxic. Um, he was uh just not in a good space towards the end of high school. And, um, and I was getting out of my childhood home or trying to, and that my childhood home had been a, an abusive one. And so I came out of my childhood home with a lot of really unhealthy coping mechanisms and poor communication strategies and a lot of things. So he and I just weren't mixing by the time we were 18. And uh, I made a decision to dump him as a friend um but uh and i i missed him and i often wondered how he was but i'd made that decision for a reason and also social media wasn't really a thing at the time so i had no way to get in in contact with him once that happened i couldn't find him there was no way for me to find him even though i missed him and i often wondered how he was doing so, so much of this story I relate to um, from the, not from the relationship that I was talking about, but actually from my relationship with Eric, who was one of our guests maybe six months ago, <laughs> who was totally like the hippie guy. He was not the guy who everybody was into, but we were, we officially never dated, but we had actually a very sexual relationship. We just didn't, we weren't public about it and we called it being friends. Um, <laughs> but (laughs) like you do yeah exactly and then we lost touch for many years because social media was not a thing and we both had moved around a lot and you know it's it's so funny how the world works like that yeah yeah as much as I hate Facebook it definitely has helped get in contact with people and get back in touch with people and and just find new people obviously you know it's Mm -hmm. 
It does have. Right. Its it upsides. turns out that a lot of your friends of your friends are also really interesting. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. So with Jeff, I found him on Facebook a couple years ago, and I decided to send him a friend request. And I was not. I didn't think he would remember me, and I was totally selling myself short with that. Um, but I, I just. I didn't think he would remember me. He was one of those people with like 2000 friends. So I was like, well, he adds everybody. He doesn't, he probably doesn't know who I am or remember me at all. And, uh, and I kind of like agonized about it for a few weeks before I actually messaged him. <laughs> and I was, I was hanging out with a couple friends. We were doing a puzzle or whatever and drinking wine. And I was like a couple glasses in and talking about this this guy my guitar picking nog chump scented high school love and how I'd friended him on Facebook and I was curious how he was doing because he'd just been such a important person in my formative years and and my friend that I was with was just like you should message him I was like I don't know I can't and she said yes you should message him so I finally did after drinking some more wine because <laughs> And, I, you know, I started out with, I don't know if you remember me, but, you know, we went to school together and he's like, of course I remember you. And um, so, you know, we just started talking. And at the time he was uh, in a monogamous relationship, but it turned, as it turns out, you know, even though we hadn't been in contact since we were 18, we had both grown into polyamorous people, like queer poly adults independent of one another which was kind of awesome but the relationship he was in at the time was monogamous because that often happens especially in areas where there aren't uh huge poly communities and he lives in a smaller city in a conservative state so it's you know so he was while we were when we were first talking again he was in this partnership and I didn't based on the conversations that we'd had it appeared that he had built this really just beautiful life you know with um like a successful work thing kids he's no longer with their mother but like a healthy co-parent relationship with their mom and like and this relationship that he was in and so I didn't want to do anything to fuck that up um but you know but at the same time it was pretty fortunate that we were like 1500 miles away from one another because you know I really just wanted to show up on his door doorstep and just so eventually that relationship that he was in ended and it wasn't because of anything to do with me. It was just that happened. And um, after that, like I went out to visit him and because like we'd spent time apart growing up, like it turned out that we're actually like no longer toxic for one another and we're actually good in one another's lives. But, you know, we needed that like distance and separation. I, to do that and um you know and be partners now at this point so yeah I just I'm I'm still sort of surprised like this like this is the relationship that started at the beginning of this year and I'm still like yeah okay I'm I'm in a relationship with the first boy I ever kissed okay all right that's a thing in my life you know I do feel like we all kind of change maybe not at our core but like kind of who we are as people changes so much over the course of like a decade. Like I am a completely different person. Like 22 year old Lindsay is different than 32 year old Lindsay. So, so much so, especially in the twenties and maybe early thirties and definitely in your teen years, obviously. But like, I feel like the people that I knew in high school wouldn't recognize me 
as a full grown adult at all. I'm a totally different person. I act differently. I speak, I can talk now. I don't know. I didn't used to talk at all, <laughs> you know? And so um, I do feel like when there's that much time, say 10 plus years, maybe even five years, depending on when you met initially, that you're kind of, you're like meeting a new person. And if you're going to date that person, that's a different and new relationship. It's not like your relationship with your girlfriend, where it's kind of like nothing happened. You just started right back up, but only a year passed. And it's like, that could have been yesterday. Like a whole, uh, a whole lifetime has almost passed and you are a new person. And that person that you are dating is a new relationship, you know? So it's, it seems very different, like a different dynamic. Which is, it's interesting because it's true. And also there's like a fundamental thing that is the same in some ways for my, in my experience, like yeah. the chemistry that my partner and I had when we were 17 year olds was fantastic chemistry at 17. And it is the same chemistry. It feels like the same chemistry at 50. And so that part hasn't changed as much as we have both grown up a hell of a lot and are very different in terms of maturity and communication and the things that are important to us now. And so it's kind of a fun blend of really familiar and totally different. I, that's, it's the same for me. Like there are definitely times where we never acted on it in high school, but it's the same, you know, like, um, and, and there's this, there's another aspect of our relationship that just like, we just, it just developed naturally. And I think, and we've talked about it and we, we think that we had this as teenagers, though our memory is fuzzy, but uh, that his other, his other partner has uh, often teases him about the fact that we bicker like an old married couple. That's how she, how she puts it. Like we, and we don't, it's not that we, we bicker, but we like, we razz each other and like nag one another. And that has always been kind of a thing. Like, um, when we were teenagers, for instance, I actually like walked into his house when he was trying to skip school and told him, you are going to school, Jeffrey, get up, you're going to school. And, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, that is still a thing like, and it, it's, it's always playful, but that is something that is still part of our dynamic that was when we were teenagers and it, it's just it's kind of cute and heartwarming and everything um so yeah there and there are definitely times where i'm like where i still look where I, he'll say something or make a certain facial expression or something and i definitely see i still see the boy i knew you know um but yes you grow up you you mature you have better communication skills um more life experience and you're still learning about where you've been the past few years, you know, well, more than a few, like more than 10, you know, but, and who, and how that has shaped, like, I'm still learning about who, how he became the person that he is now and what he, what he did during the time that we weren't speaking to one another and we weren't in one, each one another's lives. Well, and I feel like hopefully all of us are on a trajectory of being better people in our lives, like, right? So if you give someone 10 years to grow, hopefully <laughs> they're going to be a better person on the other side. And uh, the relationship dynamic might be easier, or you might be able to connect with that person on a, on a different level because of that. That's just like all best case scenarios. Of course, <laughs> it doesn't always work that way, but 
hopefully, I mean, at least as you've aged, you have more life experience to, to help you grow into a better person. What you do with that experience is always different. (laughs) I think one thing, like I had another relationship where I dated somebody briefly in my twenties and then uh, shortly after I got divorced, dated them briefly again. And the second time I felt like I was much quicker at remembering like, yes, we're very attracted to each other, but this is a bad idea and we are not compatible. And, you know, this attraction can burn itself out in, you know, a month and (laughs) we can go back to having a sort of casual friendship that is probably a much better place for me to be in relationship with that person where I think I was not as quick to realize those things as a younger person. At this point in my life, I definitely have a better understanding of what I need and what is going to be healthy for me in a relationship. And, um, but I did not have that when I was younger. And I think maybe that's also part of what, what makes it easier for me to discern when it's an okay idea to get back with somebody and when it isn't, because I know what's going to be good for me mm-hmm. better than I did when I was younger. That you were mentioning before that there's like a stigma around breakups. Um, could you speak to that a bit? Yeah. Um, I think, I mean, where it most notably, I think came up was with my relationship with um, where we got back together, like during, while his divorce was being uh, processed, finalized, whatever. Um, <laughs> I remember he was like, isn't it common knowledge that you don't get back together with your ex? <laughs> and cause we were, cause he was talking about like, it was just, it was part of the conversations that we were having about like, maybe we should, maybe we shouldn't, you know, isn't that common knowledge? You know, you don't get back together with your ex. I said, yeah, okay, I guess you're right. It is. But why, why should it be? You know, isn't monogamy yeah. common knowledge too? Like <laughs> what are we <Right>. doing? <laughs> exactly. And being straight. Oh yeah, exactly. Like there's all kinds of rules and we know what they are and we were already throwing the rule book out the window. Mm-hmm. Why are we keeping this rule? Right. Yeah, I I felt the same way and uh, you know, I I think that I think that part of the stigma has to do with monogamy actually because there's this idea that like there's one person that you're supposed to be with and if you didn't stay with that person the first time then, you know, getting back with them could be preventing you from entering into a healthier relationship with somebody else. Um, So I think that's actually a big part of it. But, you know, in poly, because you don't actually have that pressure, you can have relationships that end and then come back, you know, because you can still carry on other relationships two at the same time or you know getting with getting back together with an ex is not going to prevent you from finding a happy healthy connection with someone else either so um but well i think in monogamy too there's like one story of getting back together with someone that's an acceptable story the one that got away you can reconnect with, and they turn out that they really were your soulmate that you were supposed to be with forever. So like, if you structure the narrative of your relationship with Jeff in this monogamy culture narrative, then it's like, oh, that's so romantic, (laughs) as opposed to the reality.
reality of the situation, which is more complicated than that and which better reflects who you are and who he is, but isn't compatible with the like one acceptable getting back together with an ex narrative. Right. Oh my God. My mom, when I was uh, telling her about it, because, you know, my mother was, was, uh, was my mother during my teen years and whatever. She was just totally getting carried away with the whole romantic. That's so romantic. Why don't you marry him? I'm like, I'm mom. Right. right. I'm still the human being I've been. Right. <laughs> and that is why this is working. <laughs> like, because he, he and I are compatible with the human beings we became. And marriage is not on the table for me. So it. Yes, it was just, but yes, it was hilarious. Um, I definitely experienced that narrative in a sort of quirky way, I guess. But yeah, I don't, I mean, I I genuinely don't understand the stigma at all. Um, I've, I mean, my, that, my explanation of like what the stigma comes from is my very academic explanation because I can't relate. Um, I mean, I have this thing where like, uh, I don't know, it's a bit of a mantra where you know i'll be like oh yeah i mean uh, i wish i could i could maybe date that person it just it's just not it's just not gonna work out but we're not dead yet the mantra is we're not dead yet you know because because you can have multiple relationships you can you your future is fairly your potential your potential to be to have a relationship with somebody at some point in the future is fairly infinite i mean as long as you're alive right it's open it could happen depending on the way everyone's life circumstances evolve Mm -hmm. and with the case of uh of my girlfriend and and jeff especially like our life circumstances evolved from where they were when we ended things and evolved in such a way that made those relationships a good good and healthy thing um, in our current present lives. I suppose with my partnership with Brandon also, circumstances surrounding our, our breakup changed significantly enough that, um, that getting back together was something that was okay. We were still both in very difficult spots when we got back together though, because, you know, we got back together during his divorce year and he was just in really rough shape from from the end of that relationship. So that's one where like, like in hindsight, like we both agreed that maybe it was ill-advised to get back together so soon. Um, but, you know, but then like, but looking back, I mean, I forgive past Brandon and past Maria because like, we just, we cared about one another so much that that staying, that not getting back together would, was an equally difficult or would have been an equally difficult or complicated um, decision. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that um, I've lost my train of thought is what I think of. <laughs> we were talking about stigma. And I do think that a lot of that is also rooted in the way that we sort of, that heterosexual culture tells us relationships between, particularly between men and women are supposed to be. And, you know, there's sort of the narrative of men are not supposed to be friends with women. Men are not supposed to be friends with their exes. Men are obviously just waiting to want to fuck any woman that they know. And so if your man is talking to some other woman, that's a terrible thing and you ought to be threatened by that. Mm. And in that context, a 
any kind of relationship with an ex is framed as threatening to the monogamous relationship. And so if you wanted to actually maintain a friendship there, you know, that whether there's getting back, like getting back together almost is part of the narrative because you obviously wouldn't be maintaining a friendship unless you were getting back together. And therefore, you know, you should have learned your lesson the last time and don't do it. Yeah, I, I actually, I really hate that, that you should have learned your lesson the last time and don't do it. You know, I hate, I, it feels punitive. Um, I, I just, one of the things that I, while getting back together with somebody that you care about, maybe ill-advised, I don't think there's anything wrong with seeking love or companionship. And inherently that is what that's about. And so when, you know, when, in the cases where you get back together with someone and it is difficult, you know, or not, not 100% easy or whatever, it feels really, there, there's that finger wagging that you might get from other people or the judgment. Mm-hmm. It's, it feels very punitive. It's also rather presumptuous too, um, because inherent in it is the assumption that this external person who's wagging their finger at you knows what's best for you more than you do. And I think that, I don't know if that has to do with stigma necessarily, but it definitely has to do with some of the like negative emotions surrounding getting back together with somebody. That stigma I feel is usually geared, is like pointed towards women. You know, like that woman got back together with her ex and she should have known better. And like, and I guess maybe what I'm thinking of is usually like in situations of abuse, right? Mm -hmm. Like um, that that battered wife I mean I, the idea of a battered wife that's never you never talk about it and like the uh, about I don't think it, it's often brought up about guys going back to get getting back together with a, an ex I don't hear about that very often but in that kind of finger wagging you know you should have known better kind of way it's it's almost always directed at women and I wonder if that's just this, this like another part of sexism misogyny and patriarchy is that like well it's not directed at the the man who might be manipulating the situation. And obviously I'm talking in better, very heterocentric uh, terms, but like uh, the, the woman is always at fault for going back to, to an abusive relationship instead of, you know, uh, analyzing the fact that maybe she doesn't have the means to live on her own. Maybe they have children. Maybe this person is financially abusing them as well. All of these other factors that could go into having to stay with or get back together with an ex that people don't necessarily consider, or just, it's so easy to say dump the motherfucker already when there are so many other factors that might make this relationship really, really great in one way mm-hmm. and bad in another. Um, and, and yeah, I, I feel like, and it's just like coming to me now that like, it's so often directed at women. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's really disrespectful as an outsider to be able to look at somebody else's relationship and say, no, you should not make that decision. Right. Like you might not be able to imagine making whatever the decision is yourself. It might be the wrong decision for you, but you're not in their circumstances, in their mind, in their heart. They're making the best decisions that they can see for themselves. And it's, it's disrespectful not to honor that. I mean, it might not be disrespectful to offer, you know, if, if, if you have the real friendship or relationship with the person, like 
is this really a good idea? Can you explain to me your thought process? Like, I want to support you. I want you to know you have choices. So you're making a decision that's with open eyes and not, you know, because you don't feel like you have other options. But, you know, if a person is making an informed choice, it's not really any of our business. I'm, I'm thinking here of, I have a monogamous friend whose husband of, you don't know, 20, 25 years um, cheated on her. And for her, um, it was a really big deal. And it was a huge strain between them in their marriage. Um, but she was really committed to being in that relationship. And they went to therapy. He went to therapy. Um, you know, they agreed for him to have like monitoring software on his phone and for him to have like rules about what kind of communication he could have with women and all kinds of things that for me, like in 1 million years, I would not put up with any of this. And I could not imagine deciding to stay in that relationship, but they made that decision and they worked through it and they, you know, are still together. And who am I to say that's the wrong decision for them? Yeah. As much as I would absolutely say like, Hey, if someone is cheating on you, maybe one of the best options is getting out of that relationship. I've absolutely been cheated on and forgave the person. Like I've, I've been there. I absolutely have. So like, I can totally sympathize with someone who is like, no, that's not the, that's not the best course of action. I'm like, okay. Yeah. That's okay. Then we better figure something else out. Are you better? I don't right, know. Right. <laughs> I'm not there. You know, and I'm your friend. So I'm mm -hmm. going to listen and to I will you help. and be a sounding board for while you try to figure out what's going to work for you. Right. I've definitely been grateful for people who have been more level-headed and not like screamed, dump the motherfucker already at me when I've made choices to go back uh, to, you know, get back together with somebody. And there has been difficulty just because the way we parted was so rough. You know, I really appreciated people who respect my choices and my capacity to make them. And, uh, uh, but I have also had interactions with people who don't, who don't behave as respectfully. And like at one point with one of them, um, I don't take, I don't take too well to that. I, I usually cop an attitude real fast. Um, what? What, me? <laughs> no, not me. <laughs> <laughs> but at one point I actually wrote up, you know, an ex-partner FAQ because I was getting a lot of ca catching flat from a lot of different people about it. And, uh, <laughs> and I, I think, uh, I don't remember what they all were, but it was very much like the, the summary of it was like, stop questioning my decisions. These are my choices to make. Like, we're well, allowed to care about each other still. Like you and I are in um, a Facebook group together where sometimes you have vented about frustrations in um, at least one of your relationships. And there have definitely been times where I've seen people sort of say to you, like, dump the motherfucker already and seen you just be like, okay, no, that's not on the table. What I'm trying to figure out is how I'm going to handle continuing this and dealing with my frustration that is right now under these circumstances, not forever getting the person out of my life. Right. Yes. It's, <laughs> yeah, I, I tend to shut that shit down real quick. 
Mm-hmm. I'm just not into it. It's not yeah. okay. Dump them isn't relationship advice. That's breakup advice. <laughs> it's like, no, if I want to continue <laughs> this relationship, dump them isn't on the table. <laughs> exactly. And the thing is too, you know, there are, you know, something that I've encountered with, you know, so my, my relationship with Brandon, because, you know, his divorce and a lot of the problems that we were each having individually and so on, like we, we had a difficult go of it for like the first year after getting back together. And, um, but something that I encountered from people in my life, and he also encountered with people in his life was like a failure to accept that the difficulty made sense given what was going on outside of our relationship. A failure to accept that there were external pressures on our relationship still because of the divorce itself. Um, Cause there was actually a period of time where we were keeping our relationship on the down low until the divorce was finalized, which was a really painful place for me to be. It wasn't easy to do, even though I, I decided that that was like the best decision, you know, just because like we didn't want their divorce to get heated or difficult in any, like neither of us wanted that. But there, there's been a failure. I mean, obviously not all people, like there, there have been good people in our lives, each of us, but there, there have been like the, the few who have just not really understood or accepted that that difficulty was going to be there just because, you know, we both had baggage surrounding that divorce that was happening. Sometimes, yes, you're, you getting back together is going to cause difficulty for each of you. Sometimes it's also worth it. <laughs> right. And, and nobody outside of the two of you can make that decision. Right. Um, nobody can make that decision. Um, people sure try. Uh, he has a gentler approach with the people who try than I do. He's a gentler human being than I am. <laughs> but, um, you know, they do try. And it's like, and I think that it actually makes things worse when you have been previously been exes. I think that people try harder or think that they have more justification or right to do so. Because if it, if it ended once, so therefore yeah. there must be something else. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And so but it I, feels maybe like they're protecting you to them. Yes, it does. And I, I have some strong opinions about that protective tendency. I very strongly feel that that sort of protectiveness is actually possessiveness masquerading as something a little nicer. I think that, you know, it might feel like they're protecting you, but there's also this like underlying ownership of your free will, you know? Yeah. Cause why would you protect something unless you feel like it's yours to protect and then therefore own? Right. <laughs> yes. And that's an interesting question. Cause I'm a very protective person, but I don't think of myself as a possessive person. I'm going to just sit with that for a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. I'm also a protective person. But is it protective in the way that like you feel like you know better than them? You know, that's where I feel like it comes into being like a little bit toxic. I often get like incensed on someone's behalf. Like if I see somebody being mistreated, I'll feel some type of way about it. But usually the way that actually comes out is me voicing my concerns, saying, I don't think that's really acceptable, but this is your life, you know? And really I like... I'm okay with people who are protective like that with me. Like, yeah, that's not really okay. You know, I see that, see you experiencing this thing, you know, that the way that this person is behaving towards you is not okay, in my opinion, but it's your life. That's 
okay but then there's this like but more like the the like i'm upset for you on your behalf and therefore i'm going to treat that person poorly that's the thing that i'm like that actually that falls into the ownership category because you are acting like you are taking action on that person's behalf whether and sometimes it's not actually okay with them like you know i does that make sense it does (laughs) you're still reflecting i am well (laughs) it's a tricky thing because I feel like sometimes if I learn, like when you learn something about someone that makes you think about them differently as a person, it's very difficult to not treat them in a different way because of the things you now know about them. And I don't think I've done that in the context of any of your relationships. I'm not talking about (laughs) this example. Um, I'm just thinking about other parts of my life where I have been, um, feeling protective of people and maybe, yeah, and it, it has definitely altered the way that I've interacted with other people because I can't unknow the thing that I know. Yeah. I, I have found that like in, in being the leader of the poly group, I get a lot of that back room, <laughs> I guess, like, like uh, talk about other people in the group. Right. And so I have found I've like developed this strategy, right. That if I hear something negative about a person, I will keep it in my mind, but I also want them to show their true colors to me first before I say act on it or create this like persona of who they are before I've even met them. Um, and I try to go about my life and doing this to, for everyone, because if someone's true nature is toxic, manipulative crap, you know, like they will show that to me eventually. And, and that has happened. And I've been warned before and been like, I feel like you're coming at this from a, you know, a, a, a biased point of view. And then all of a sudden this person is like doing exactly what I have been warned that they will do. And I'm like, oh, right. Okay, cool. So now I know what they meant. Okay. Uh, noted, you know, so, so it definitely has happened before where I've been like warned and then they show their true colors, but it just, I feel like it always just takes a little bit of time. People will show you who they really are eventually, you know, mm-hmm. um, but I try not to let it totally sway my opinion uh, right off the get-go. Because sometimes there are people who, you know, are are speaking from a very, very hurt position or or maybe they're trying to manipulate me or something like that. And so I always try to take it with a grain of salt, especially in in like these small communities that are so overlapping and everyone is friends or lovers or sexual partners with everyone else. And so I always try to be like, okay, I'm going to try to be as objective as possible and let them show me who they really are. Well, and I think that makes a lot of sense too. Like, I think I try on the personal level, particularly to at least have like a friendly or cordial relationship with most people. So even if I might decide based on the things that I know through other people who I trust and care about, I don't want to have a close personal relationship with you. I can still have a pleasant superficial relationship with and as the leader I always feel like a little bit of a politician where I'm like I can have a politician relationship with you which is I will shake your hand well not now but you know (laughs) I'll be very nice and cordial to you but maybe after you leave I'm like okay I don't like them (laughs) yeah I tend to try to be kind to everybody my kindness will you know transform into neutrality or gray rocking if somebody treats me badly 
I won't be as warm and opening if someone mistreats me directly. But I try to ma- maintain like cordial, pleasant interaction with people, no matter what I hear about them doing or not, you know, doing to somebody I may care about, whatever. So I think, I think the, the, the time when I find it to be like protective, like possessive protectiveness or whatever is when that cordial treatment drops. Like if somebody like feels that I am being damaging to a person they care about and therefore they're a total dick to me. Mm -hmm. That's when I'm kind of like, you know, you're overstepping. You really are. Like this is between me and that other person. And, you know, that's, that's, this is just not your place. I think that uh, does that, it just kind of just, it's really uncomfortable actually. Mm -hmm. Totally. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. It does. I did want to talk a little bit about um, maybe to wrap this up a little bit. Do you have any relate? like advice, I guess, or just, do you have any advice for folks who are attempting to start a relationship up again the second time around? Or more. Or more, yeah. Except that you are going to potentially have some shit between you that you need to work out and maybe come up with a plan for working it out rather than hoping it'll all be fine. Um, You know, it's just, if you have broken up once, it may have been related to external factors. It may it may not have been because of some sort of fundamental incompatibility between the two of you, or it could have been. But if you have broken up once, you are probably going to have to, need, you're going to need to have some conversations surrounding that breakup and they might be difficult and they may be painful. Um, and they may take you a very long time, depending on how bad the breakup was. But if you're going to try to get back together with somebody, you've got to accept that you have baggage and you're going to, you're, you may have some sort of like NRE buzz again with one another, but it will, you'll also have problems that you're going to have to start working out right as you get back to, I think that's the key thing. That's one benefit I did not think about. You get second NRE, (laughs) (laughs) potentially. It might go right into (laughs) ORE, but yeah, that's something I did not think about. Yeah. Having observed you in it, Maria, I would say definitely second NRE. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. That was a, that was a, that, that was a thing still kind of is, but you know, yes. I think I had second NRE when my um, relationship that I would classify in this sort of boomerang category returned to being a relationship for real. Um, also. Yeah. Yeah. And I had like, I know I had second NRE for a little bit with uh with uh with Brandon too but that was one of those relationships where I I actually made the mistake of of you know not act like not when we were having those conversations I didn't I didn't didn't uh give enough recognition to the fact that we were going to have shit to work out um and I didn't bring it up with him I didn't see it as worth bringing up even though I kind, I knew I knew it was going to be a thing. I didn't see, understand that it was a, something that needed that warranted conversation. So that was like my mistake. Don't do what I did. Um, <laughs> um, but I definitely had this like period of like, yay, we're back together. I'm so happy. I missed him. Missed this. Well, and you can have those conversations and do work both like they don't have to be mutually exclusive or sequential you know you can have 
I'm giddy and excited. And also there's this thing I'm concerned about that happened that we need to talk through. And also here's all the things I want to do to you. And <laughs> yeah, and I feel like with a little bit of time and distance, hopefully you can talk about baggage, right? Like for past relationship, a little bit easier, maybe potentially, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, the easiest conversation about past baggage uh, was with Jeff, where there was like 14 to 16, I don't know how long, years between baggage and now. That was the easiest one for me. Um, <laughs> that makes sense, because when it's raw, it's harder. Yeah. 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 And things, uh, things tend to stay raw for me for a long time, unfortunately. It's just something about like my brain chemistry and everything, the whole, you know, neurodivergent thing. The way in which I am neurodivergent in particular is that things stay raw for me for a long time. So, um, yeah, I mean, definitely the easiest, uh, easiest boomerang uh, dynamic when it was boomeranging was the one where we had had a significant break. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I think that's the main piece of, of of advice I would give. Another, I mean, I think people may have gathered based on what you know the episode and what what we've talked about but another thing is like expect people in your life to have complicated reactions to it and shut it down right away <laughs> yeah um because the moment that you make it clear no my my contact my connection with this person is non-negotiable and you know i find it disrespectful that you're challenging it that like you'll deal with difficulty from other people in your life significantly less if you don't give that kind of talk any space um, or very little space. Like, I hear your concerns. This person in my life is non-negotiable. I will think about what you said, but they're here. Please accept that. Yeah, I definitely, like, I, I went, I, I let some of the, the naysaying go on for like a month or two. And I think that was too long, yeah. Yeah, my long distance person and I are not out about our relationship and, we have a lot of people in common, um, but we're not really out as poly to any of those people or most of those people. Mm -hmm. And so there's no room to be out as a couple outside of that context. So we're just not. But I hope that one day we will be in a place where we can be out to those people. And then I'm going to have to be prepared for those conversations. Yeah. Yeah. Those conversations are a thing. So yeah, prep for the <laughs> um, prep for a lot of talking. Yes. <laughs> Prep for a lot of talking, prep for a lot of like, you know, this is my decision to make kind of like yeah. owning um, your autonomy and also just enjoy each other for real. Like, you know, just, just, um, if you're getting back together with somebody, chances are you've missed them, that there's something about them that really was wonderful in your life. So just like, enjoy that. Try try not to let all of your nagging doubts interfere with that because like, you know, it, if you're getting back together with somebody, there is a chance that it might not last. So enjoy the good things and, you know, try, you know, keep in mind that you're, you're going to need to work through some of the problems that arose out of your breakup or maybe some of the problems that you had in your past relationship, but, but also just like, just enjoy being with that person. Yeah. You know, it's there's, there That's why you got back together. Exactly. That's why you got back together. <sighs> One more thing that I thought of. When you're getting back together with somebody, also be conscious of like the, 
the fact that this still may not be your time. Hopefully mm -hmm. when you're getting back together with that person, you know, you'll be in a spot in your life where it'll be easier for you to let that relationship, the renewed relationship take a shape that is very different if necessary from the previous relationship. But like, just like be open to that, to the, to the renewed relationship, taking on a new form. Um, be honest with yourself about what you need from that relationship and try to have conversations with, with your partner about what you both need from it at the beginning. Because like, if it turns out that you need very different things, then it might not be your time yet, but you're not dead yet. So could be one day. Dead yet. It's a good way to end it. You're not dead yet. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Maria, thank you very much for joining us again and for having a really interesting and I think very valuable conversation. I Thanks. appreciate your coming back and updating the listeners as well as us. And yay on two years. Woo. Yeah, woohoo, <laughs> two years, yay. Right. Um, and as we get ready for the uh, beginning of the next calendar year, um, I just want to make sure that folks know Lindsay has produced a really cool poly calendar to help organize your complicated poly life. <laughs> and, you know, this is a really cool project. A couple of people in my life have agreed that that's what everybody's getting each other for Christmas. Oh, <laughs> Nice. And, uh, you know, where can, where can people find this Lindsay, if they want to find, if our listeners want to find it. Yeah. Right before we started recording today, I recorded a little ad that I'm going to put in here, but just as a, as a, another, I don't know, promo for us. Uh, it's, uh, I made a tiny URL cause it's an Amazon link. I, I, I published this through, uh, like Amazon publishing and I know Amazon is the devil, but you know, but it's really easy to publish. It's really easy to self-publish things. Yeah. It's really easy. Tools available. Yeah. So it's uh it's tinyurl.com slash poly 2021. Try to make it really easy, but yeah, so it's a, it's a little planner and journal that I made and, uh, and hopefully next year I'm, I'm really hoping to get into like developing this into a bigger thing that it can have like poly themed artwork and and themes for each month and stuff so throughout the year of 2021 I'm going to be developing an even better cooler more artistic version of this but this is kind of like the bare bones beginning I also made it pretty cheap so that everybody I think you know couldn't afford it which is cool and so yeah it's just a, a polyamory and censored planner and journal which I have always you know I'm a really big journaler I thought that other people could maybe could use this <laughs> all right well thanks everybody Thank you for having me on here and letting me talk years off. It was great. It was fun. Take care, everybody. Have a great week. Bye-bye. And that is it from us at Polyamory Uncensored. We have been Lindsay Miller and Katie Williams. We'd like to thank podcast husband Rob for being our sound engineer. And thank you, Lindsay, for editing this podcast so that we sound smart. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Polyamory Uncensored. Contact us at polyamoryuncensored at gmail.com if you have a listener question or a comment. And if you'd like to support us at all, you can send us a monthly contribution at anchor.fm slash polyamoryuncensored and simply click on the support this podcast button. If you'd like to support the podcast with a one-time contribution, we've set up a PayPal link to make it super easy. Thank you for your support in any amount at paypal.me slash polyamoryuncensored. We hope you've enjoyed this episode and remember, we love you. Bye.